You know, the second to the last song that we did there, um, it wrecked me pretty good. The song Desperate for You. Anybody know the original writer of that song? Do you remember when it was? Was, was it was it 90s, mid-90s? Somewhere around in there. Okay, because I was going to say this. This was when I when I remember that song. It was after 9/11, which would have been after 2001. I remember that was a point in my life where something shifted in me, and it's funny because I didn't even recognize that at the time but I recognized it just now listening to the song and worshiping through the song. The, the words of that song are so profound because what does it mean to be desperate for him? What does it mean to want him and nothing else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, I stand in obedience to you. I desire my mouth to be yours. Only your words to come from this mouth. I ask that your heart be placed heavy through those words. And I ask that they land on fertile fertile ground. Give ears to hear those who would hear. I love you, Lord. I am desperate for you. As we are here, ignition. At ignition. In Jesus' name, amen. I've had a word that the Lord has given me specific to release. I believe he's going to have me release it today, but we'll see. (laughs) I believe he is. I want you to turn, though, because I want to speak the Father's heart first. I want you to turn to John chapter 20. He has put two things on my heart today, and, I, and unless, unless things play out differently and he makes whatever changes he wants to make, I think today is going to be a little bit different than most Sundays. He has given me two thoughts The first we'll talk about out of John chapter 20, but then the second, I don't believe he's going to have me preach it. I believe he's just going to have me read it. But we'll see. I'm in the NLT. John chapter 20, I'm going to begin with verse 24. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, 
was not with the others when Jesus came. And remember, this is after Jesus had been crucified and rose from the grave. This is after he had been risen. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound at his side. I want to stop there a second because I want you to understand the gravity of this statement. This is one of his 12 disciples. This is not one of the ones. Okay, everybody, you can silence. Should, should we do a disclaimer at the beginning of service? Please silence yourself. Now, now, if mine goes off, okay, that would just be like funny, wouldn't it? Just, just to avoid that, I keep mine off all the time. If, if, if ever you call me or text me and I don't get back to you for hours, it's because my phone's sitting somewhere and I have it off. Not the phone off, but my ringer off. So I, I can never tell if somebody's trying to get a hold of me. So, should we pray again? I don't know. No, All right, but I want you to understand the gravity of this statement. Because remember, Thomas was one of the twelve. He was not the, the one who was going to, to uh, betray Jesus, right? Judas Iscariot, Judas was already gone. Judas took his own life. This was not one, this was not the one that was going to betray Jesus. This was one of the twelve. This was one of the ones who walked with him, one who loved him, one who believed him. Even though at his trial they all scattered. We know that. Peter said, no, I won't scatter. And he's the one that, that really gets all the attention because he's the one that was willing to speak out and put his foot in his mouth. But they all did. The Bible says they all scattered. They all agreed, we will never leave you or forsake you. We will be with you even unto death. But they all scattered. They all left. So he was among those who trusted dearly. We know John. John was so close to Jesus. John is the picture of him leaning into Jesus' chest in love with Jesus. Thomas was one of those, so in love, trusting, walked with him three years, trusted him, knew his voice. Jesus said, you know the Father because I have shown you the Father. So this was not some newbie who didn't understand who the Father was. Jesus said He knew who the Father was. This didn't come without warning. Jesus' death on the cross didn't come without warning. He told them many times that he would be taken to Jerusalem and offered as a sacrifice. This should not have been a surprise that his life was taken. Even more than that, it should not have been a surprise that his life was restored. 
that he was risen from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, that should not have been a surprise. Why? Because Jesus told them. He told them it was going to happen. And you have different reactions from different disciples. But this one is so heavy on God's heart because this one is playing out today in his bride. Let's read that again. The other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas's reply was, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. And it, it wasn't even enough to stop there. He had to go further. He said, until I put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. There was such unbelief to one who had every reason to believe. Do you get that? Every reason to believe. He was amongst those closest to Jesus, and yet he didn't believe. He didn't believe. He said, I've got to see it with my own eyes. Why? Because I trust my eyes more than I trust your voice. Oh, those are heavy words. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. (laughs) I love Jesus. So good. Doors are all locked. He's not there. All of a sudden, he appears and he goes, peace. (laughs) Don't be afraid. (laughs) Didn't mean to startle you. I know the door's locked. Those things don't stop me anymore. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And put your hand into the wound. And and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. But believe. There's an extraordinary thing going on here. See, he didn't say, you didn't believe, so get out. Why? Because he knew his heart. He knew his heart loved him. But he was afraid to trust him. Do you see the difference? Jesus looks at the heart. As he comes and he divides his bride, even now, he looks at the heart. But there are two reactions to that. There is the reaction of, I believe without seeing. Or, I believe when I see. That is what's laid before you right now. That is what is laid before the bride right now. To see is not to believe. Real faith is believing without seeing.
Thomas exclaimed, my Lord, my God. That was his declaration of who Jesus was and that he he just believed. He finally believed. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. This does not just apply to Jesus Christ raising from the dead. There was a precedent set here that Thomas was used to teach for all time. And that precedent is faith. That precedent is the choice to believe by faith because of who he is. Faith never comes easy. Even now, faith does not come easy. And this dividing line that the Lord has brought has made that even more evident, has made it even more difficult. Because the choice to believe is a choice in something way beyond yourself way beyond imagination, way beyond anything other than relationship with him. Because, see, that's what he's trying to show you. That's what he's trying to show his bride. This relationship with him will produce fruit of faith, period. I'm going to say a tough word here. If you don't have faith and you don't walk by faith, you don't understand relationship with him. You can't. I know that's going to be difficult to receive. I know I know all the, I won't even call them haters, but I know all the disagreeers that watch these videos and that are watching right now. Perhaps they're the only ones that watch. Thank you for watching. But I'll tell you what. The fact of the matter is that only faith and walking in faith is the result of relationship. Let me put a disclaimer there. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about being justified by the faith of receiving him into your heart. It's not what I'm talking about. That's why there's a difference between hot, cold, and lukewarm. They are all saved. They all understand who He is. They all have accepted Him into their heart as Savior. But yet you have some that are cold, some that are hot, some that are lukewarm. The difference between the three is faith in who He is. The difference between the three is our choice of stepping and walking and acting in that faith. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. In this time in which we live, blessed are those who believe in what he is saying and what he is doing without requiring the manifestation 
of what he is saying. Rest assured, that is coming. And when it comes, it will be too late to believe by faith. Just like Thomas, it was too late for him to believe by faith that Jesus had risen from the dead. Did it mean that he lost his salvation? No, of course not. He was amongst the disciples whom Jesus blew the Holy Spirit into their hearts. But did it change what God could do in his life? Yes, it did. Just as it is right now. If you do not lay on a bed of faith, you will not be used and cannot be used in the same amount, the same way that he wants to with that faith. What we're facing right now takes a lot of faith. Just as it took a lot of faith to understand and believe that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And yet, I find myself, I, I talk with the Lord throughout the week, and I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Why, why is it so hard for Christians? I get the world, but why is it so hard for Christians to believe what you're doing right now? To believe that you would bring judgment right now? Why is it that so much of the bride, those who know Him as Savior, just feel, well, God would never bring judgment. Good night. Do you know you have to take out almost 80% of the Bible and just apply that to Satan if you believe that God does not bring judgment? In fact, he brings judgment on his church first. Why? Because we're the ones expected to know Him. The world doesn't know Him. But His children are supposed to. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. I say that here and I know, I know that it's, it's already here. But I say that to those who hear this on the internet. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. I'm going to read three chapters of something. I don't know if he'll have me do any comment on it or not. But it is something the Lord laid on Alexa's heart the last few days. Laid on my heart yesterday. I want you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. And I am just, I'm going to read out of the NLT. And I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. And there's a reason why he wants me to read this. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. 
Violence is everywhere. Uh, Okay, I do want to say something before I start. As I read this, I want you to interpolate it into what's going on today. Don't just see Habakkuk in this. Don't just see Israel in this. See you in this. Okay? See the bride in this. Let me start at verse 1 again. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Verse 5, the Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe even if you if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. Verse 12. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand against the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense In front of them, these nets are their gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? 
Will they succeed forever in the heartless conquests? I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. Let me repeat that. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. But soon their captives will taunt them. Let me begin that again. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them saying, what sorrow awaits you thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly, your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you. Let me repeat that. The very stones in the walls cry out against you. And the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Let me read that again. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow, sorrow awaits you 
who make your neighbors drunk. You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forests of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What's good? What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us? To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Chapter 3. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with His praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from His hands. Where his awesome power is hidden, pestilence marches before him, plague follows close behind him. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nation of Midian tremble in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and tripled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled, trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. Let me repeat that. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. 
With his own weapons you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Lord decrees this word is for today. This word that he gave Habakkuk for a future day is for now. And I am going to end with the word that he has given me to give you. Where is my bride? The ones who have accepted covenant with me. Where are those who have said their lives are mine and only mine? The ones who have accepted the blood of my son and committed theirs in return. You have been tested by the darkness of fear and unbelief. But now you will be tested by my hand. Now you will see the darkness that I bring. You will not deny it. You have not believed my prophets of old, nor do you trust my voice now. I have laid you down on a bed of testing, and yet you still have not listened. I will show you my hand. I will show you a glimpse of what I can do. Will you believe then? Will your hearts become hot? That is my desire. That is my will. The greatest cost to me has been your right of choice that was given by me. No longer will I allow the hot to be held back because of the choice of the lukewarm. This is your moment of decision. If you do not fully turn to me and trust in me, then I will spit you out of my mouth. For all will see what I do with my hand. All will see that I am God and there is none else. The time is come to reveal my glory and my power in the midst of this darkness.
It will be my hand. It will be my hand. It will be my hand that reveals who I am. In the coming days, I will be your only refuge. I will be your only hope. Turn to me and I will not deny you. Trust me fully and I will cover you with the feathers of my wings. If you trust me, you will come forth as pure gold. It is time. It is time. It is time for my bride to make her choice. I, the Lord, have spoken. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we worship you and praise you. We say yes. We give you our hearts, our lives, to do with that as you wish. I pray for your bride. I pray for those who cannot see that they might by faith choose sight. Before your hand shows them truth. Either way, I thank you for the time in which we live. You are moving forward regardless of the answer. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.